second only to hiring, I think that developing accurate performance objectives that are directly related to the overarching goals and needs of the organization is one of the most essential personnel-related functions performed by a manager. And through years of developing such objectives for a wide range of positions at various levels, I consider myself something of a minor expert on the topic, at least at the manager level. So today, Rachel and I will share some of that expertise with you. And with that, welcome to the Introspective Leader Podcast, where Rachel and I take a deep dive into the ideas and practices that will help you become a more effective and respected organizational leader. I am Stuart, and as a retired Army Senior Non-Commissioned Officer, a former hospital executive, and a management instructor, I have been leading and managing for almost 30 years and teaching it for over 15. Rachel is an Army officer and a healthcare practitioner. And while she is relatively new to the gig, she is one of the most talented young leaders I have come across. So thank you for joining us, and we will see you on the other side. Before we continue with this episode, if you like our podcast, we at Management Works encourage you to give us a five-star rating using the podcast app of your choice. This will help get the word out to other potential listeners and better position us to continue providing the show to you. Additionally, if you would like to donate to our podcast, please visit patreon.com to do so. We also encourage you to check out our other management resources at managementworksmedia.com. These include an additional podcast and development, the Management Works blog, over 250 free online training courses, educational opportunities, certification opportunities, and over 100 of the best management and leadership books. Now back to the show, and as always, we thank you for spending a bit of your day with us. So today's topic is developing smart employee performance objectives. However, before we get into that, I want to speak a little bit to the difference in the structure today. Unlike what we usually do, and we will do in the future, uh, for the vast majority of our episodes, today's first segment of this episode and the next one will be just me, Stuart, going through the relevant components and elements of developing smart objectives. And then after that, and after we made it through the entire process, Rachel will join us for our more typical deep dive into the topic. And we have released that deep dive as a separate addendum to this primary recording. So once you finish this segment, we encourage you to go into the next segment and listen to Rachel and I discuss it in more detail. And as our last administrative piece, because today's episode will involve a list of items you might want to reference later, we have included links and files to them in this episode's description section. We are now ready to get into the main content of our topic, which of course, again, is developing smart objectives. But to clarify, we will not get into actually writing the smart objectives until the second part of this episode, which will be on a, will be released separately from this one. However, please don't, don't hit your stop button right off the bat and say, well, I'll just go to that one. What we're going to cover is just as important and and in some instances more important than the actual processes of of writing SMART objectives themselves. And again, before I get too much further, 
hopefully you notice in the title, SMART is an acronym, which will, again, we will get into exactly what that acronym stands for. But back to my point, what we're going to discuss today, it it involves doing a job analysis if necessary, developing a position description if necessary, determining the most critical and essential elements and the essential task under each of those elements, writing out all those tasks, And that's what we're going to cover today, which then the next segment on our next show where we will pick up to discuss specifically the process of actually writing the SMART objectives. So we are discussing developing the SMART objectives today. We're just not getting into the part of actually writing them. And again, I'll say it one more time before we actually kick this off. I cannot overstate how important it is. I think what we're covering today is just as important as what we're going to be covering in the next show. The first thing we're going to get hit into, and although it may not be seemingly relevant to all of you, we're going to begin with conducting a job analysis, which simply means that you are taking specific actions to discern what the job entails. That is its overall functions, its specific tasks, who the job interacts with, and why it ultimately matters. I highly recommend including the job analysis in your overall process for developing SMART objectives if you are not intimately familiar with the position and its specific requirements and tasks. I acknowledge that this will involve a significant time investment, but one that I think is well worth the better results you will get from your completed objective. Moving on, three of the most common methods used to conduct a job analysis are observe the job, be informed. Yeah, be right there. See what is going, see how the job is actually being performed by people in the position. Next is interview the occupants of that position. Have a set and series of questions that you're going to talk to them about. Ask them questions that relate to the actual task and functions and purpose. Just as importantly, the purpose of the position. And then third is you're going to, basically, it's just a dovetail off of those first two. You're going to take the information you got from those first two and map that information out. So you're going to map it out. And then this is the point where you're going to start grouping the task into specific elements, overall elements. And when we're talking about elements, which we'll get a little bit more deeper into later on, but since I mentioned it, when we're talking about elements, we're talking about significant segments of a job. So if you, let's say you have an administrative assistant, you can take that job once you've, once you've, but first what you need to do is see, see the person in that position perform the task related to that job Once you have a good listing, you can take those tasks and divide them out. You're just basically dividing them out into the overall elements they seem to cluster together to perform. So an administrative assistant, one could be developing inter- and and intra-office communication. That could involve uh, answering phones, writing memorandum, uh, setting up and helping the executive conduct meetings. And then the next one may be handling all travel for the executive. So that element would be uh, official travel. And then you could go on and on. And you would usually what you're going to have is about, usually the, the general rule of thumb, you shouldn't really have more than four or five 
larger elements with for for a specific position. That can change. That can go up a little bit and go down a little bit. But really the general rule is most jobs you can break down into four or five of your larger general elements that make up that job. And then of course within each element, then you get into more of the individual tasks that go to fulfilling the requirements of each of those elements. All right. So once you've done the job analysis and now you've, you've, you've sort of listed out all the tasks that you've obtained through the, through the three primary methods we've talked about, and then you've taken those tasks and those tasks has pretty much told you how many elements you're going to ha- uh, have within that job, how many elements make up that position, and then where each of those tasks should go within those elements. What you're going to do then is you're either going to thoroughly review the existing job description you have to make sure that it's a good representation of what you just, the information you just got on your own, or if one exists. If one doesn't exist, and this is a brand new position, then of course you're going to use that job analysis to create a job description. However, I want to say, even if one exists, I have been in organizations in the past where we're we're being required to sort of use more generic type of job descriptions. And there's a reasoning for that that I won't get too deep into and you agree with it or not agree with it. But it's not always the best representation of the exact needs of that specific position. What I have done in the past, and make sure I never say this is the formal job description, but I create something that I don't even call a job description, but it is on and everything but name that I use to actually help me in the bottom line, specifically for our topic today, develop good performance objectives. But beyond that, just a better good understanding of the needs and the requirements and the tasks and the functions of that particular position, because the actual formal official position description doesn't do the best job at that. And if you are one of those that say, okay, yeah, maybe I want to consider writing my own informal job description, going into a deep step-by-step dive into how to do that or what are the components of it is beyond the scope of this episode. However, we have included in the episode description section links to a step-by-step process of what should be in the major components of what should be in a job description if you want to develop that. And although I just referenced it to put a nice, neat bow on top, this job description will now serve as the primary document from which you develop your performance appraisal plan, which is just really your elements and uh, the task and then identifying the most critical and essential task and the develop objectives from there. I'll say it one more time. I cannot overstate the importance of an accurate job description. Now, moving on, we've got a good job description, let's say, right? We've done our job analysis. We developed a good job description from it. Or we, at the very minimum, we check that our current one is an accurate reflection of the actual tasks and duties and responsibilities that are being performed by someone in that position. Now we're going to, now we're getting to the nitty gritty. Now we're getting closer to actually getting into developing our objectives. Now we're going to determine the most essential or critical elements of the position. So let me start with some definitions. First of element or uh, what an element is and what objectives are. So an element, 
Essentially, it's a segment of the job that includes objectives that are similar in nature or are, are directed toward a common area of responsibility. You can take a job and usually divide it out between three, four, five separate overall elements that comprise that job as a whole. And that can shift as requirements change through the years. And that's another reason this is so important to make sure you're doing a job analysis. The nature of jobs change. And not only just the task, sometimes you add something to a job and you never bother updating the job description or really observing it once you've added it. You Now you don't have that readily available to you when you go to develop your performance objectives. So the element is your overarching segments that come together to make up the job. Your objectives are the specific duties or tasks to be performed. Within each element, there are going to be specific tasks, which you take those. They are going to, they are basically your objectives that you're trying to accomplish with that position within those elements. Now, if you already have all of the job tasks and elements mapped out via the job analysis, like we said, at this stage, what you're going to do is very critically is you're going to identify only those that are most essential or critical to the position. What we're talking about here is the objectives now. Let's say you have four elements. Within each of those elements, you're going to identify the most essential objectives or tasks Okay. Right now we're using those two words a little interchangeably. We'll we'll talk about the difference here in a little bit. But you're gonna those most essential things that need to be done, you're gonna identify those under each element. And generally speaking, you're gonna have no less than three, sometimes less than that. There's been I've seen them where an element could just have one one actual objective. But usually it's about three. And I really caution against going more than 10, unless that they are all critical, which we're about to define that here in a minute. We're about to define what essential and critical is. Before we move on, is what you're going to do is you're going to identify those tasks that are the most essential to get making sure that element does what it's supposed to do for overall organizational performance. So now, with the definition that I promised, when we say essential or critical, and you will hear me use those interchangeably, These are tasks that must absolutely be performed by someone in a particular position to adequately contribute to organizational performance or that make up a significant portion of the job or that are the main reasons that the job exists. And really, these are just different ways of thinking about and saying the same thing. As I said earlier, these are the ones that have to be performed that are the most important to be done. We're not talking about basic tasks that, yeah, you have to do every day, like check your email, turn on your computer, fill out your time card, those kind of secondary kind of things. Those are sort of conditions of the job, if you will. You hear probably heard HR say something like that. They're conditions of the job. You just got to do those as a day-to-day thing just to be able to get to the real stuff that you got to do. We're talking about the stuff that matters the most. Probably the best and simplest way to put it. We're talking about the tasks and objectives that matter the most to that job, hence to that area, that team, that department. And then, of course, that relates, gives the most value to overall organizational performance. Once you have identified the essential tasks, determine the process that goes into performing them and what is the minimum standard to determine that task has been completed correctly to include any time requirements. 
essentially what you're doing here is, okay, now you've got the task. You, what you're doing here, you're determining what right looks like and what is the dividing line that separates successful completion of the task from failure to complete the task correctly and on time. All right. So right now, what you're doing is in this step is you're going to you're now determining what is the criteria around this task. What is that dividing line that says on the right side, let's say once you cross that line, that now that's successful completion. That This is how this should look like. If you don't cross that line, you have not successfully fulfilled the requirements of that task. Once you have these tasks now, okay, now you're seeing I'm not using them inter- interchangeably like objectives because we're about to get into what ob- objectives really are. Once you have these tasks, I highly, highly recommend discussing them with the person that you will be rating. That will be performing these tasks. And when you do this and you set up this meeting, and it should be done in at least a semi-formal way. You shouldn't just pop it up on them and say, hey, can you look at this while I'm standing over your shoulder breathing heavily and looking at my watch and see if this is what you do. This should be set up uh, where you can sit down with them and do this in a formal way or at least a semi-formal way. And they should have this well in advance in time to look at those tasks, think about those tasks, and really determine if these tasks are a good reflection of what they do. Again, a lot of times we have something that we've developed off of outdated information because that an element got pulled or tasks were done away with, and we're developing, now we're listing these tasks as critical and the person in that position or that position itself no longer responsible for that task. I, I can't overstress how important I think it is uh, to, to, to discuss this with your employee and make sure they have it in advance. So when you do discuss it with them, you're having a good productive, productive conversation about it. Now, when you do this, if the ready makes a valid concern, you can adjust, all right? You, or you can just say, hey, let me, t- I got some new information. Let me take that back. Let me go look what I did on my job analysis. Let me go. Let me observe what you're doing. You show me how this doesn't apply. If it's valid, make your change. It's, you know, that will happen. That has happened to me. It's not uncommon. I wouldn't say it's super common, but it's not uncommon. But I do want to stress, if it's not valid and you think and you have determined through your exercise and through getting input from job analysis and also talking to other employees, if you think it's an a valid, valid task that you need to use to develop the ultimate performance objectives, stick with it because I have also seen that happen. Not liking the task does not make it invalid, right? Just because there's tasks that I got to do every uh, maybe not every day, but there's tasks that involve what I do in my job that I don't like. And I'm sure 99.9% of you are shaking your head right now or nodding your head in agreement. That doesn't mean it's not important for me to do those tasks. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not valid. I know pretty obvious point, but you will, if you do this long enough and you talk, you supervise enough employees for a long period of time, you will run into that. So after you've had this meeting with the employee and you've considered their input and you've made the appropriate adjustments or not, just depending if they're valid or not, this is where we're going to get into what we're going to discuss in part two in our next show. We're now getting into writing the SMART objectives. But before I transition and probably to the uh, the gratefulness of, of, of many of y'all and bring Rachel into this discussion, 
I do want to stress for those of you that went ahead and stuck with this first part and didn't just skip on to actually writing the smart objectives. I said it from the outset. I'll say it again. If you get this right, if you get this right first, your final objectives have a much higher chance of actually being an accurate reflection of the performance. Secondly, it's just going to come a lot easier for you when you write them. You've now absorbed, you've sort of lived this position a little bit, right? You've sort of really got deep into it and you've existed within it in, in a sense. When you go to write this stuff, it's just going to come out a lot better and you're going to know, you're going to be a little, you're going to, not a little, you're going to be more prepared to recognize things that just seem off as opposed if you did not do this important uh, pre-work, I call it, to the actual writing of the SMART objectives. And that concludes our more linear, didactic, step-by-step approach to this topic, to developing SMART objectives, the first segment of it anyway. So now what we're going to do is bring Rachel in, and we're going to have our more typical, deeper discussion on it. And I'm looking forward to the insight that I know Rachel's going to bring to all of us on this. So what we'll do, we'll end this recording and please go right back in, pop up the next one. And that's where Rachel and I will be doing our discussion. And then after that, the next release will be the second part of this episode, which will deal with the actual, as I said before, deal with the actual writing of the SMART objectives. Alrighty, folks, thank you for sticking with me through to the end. And hopefully you'll be tuning back in in just a few minutes to listen to Rachel and I discuss this topic even further.